Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine Podcast Radio. You're about to listen to a new Redefining Technology podcast. Standing on two feet, having dexterous hands, developing a language that allows us to communicate, and the ability to understand abstract concepts. These are all part of the equation of humanity. Still, it is the capacity to create tools and advance the technology that has allowed us to thrive on this planet and maybe on others. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises. The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at devo.com. Marco. Sean. Have you uh, have you seen my API? Uh, it came by the other day. <laughs> just to say hi. And uh, he didn't have a mask, so I told it to go away. It was just an open API? No, no. It was unsecure. It didn't start <laughs> me any, any sort of security. Just roaming around? There's this guy knocking on every door. He's like, do you want to open uh, some banking, some stuff, and uh, just sign here? Well, I was out actually trying to buy something. <laughs> yeah, I just sent my API out to to make that transaction. Oh, it was you. It was you. It was me. Well, was nowadays, official version of me, but yes. Apparently, nowadays everybody wants to open a bank, so uh, <laughs> or be a bank. Well, <laughs> so you want to be a bank too? How Why how not? is that possible? Why not? All you need is an API. Exactly. Years ago, you needed actually cash. A lot of it. Uh, no cash. We don't need no stinking <laughs> cash. Uh, I think we're, we're teasing out a topic here, which is open banking, embedded banking, perhaps might might come into play here, and uh, an API-driven transactions. Nothing new, but something new. <laughs> I think that the future of how we do stuff, uh, the, the traditional credit card that we've kind of virtualized through a number and perhaps even a token is old school, I think. And... Uh, I suspect we're going to get an update from our guest, Benoit Grange, who uh, is going to help us understand what the heck is open banking. Benoit, <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for joining us here. Yeah, thank you, Sin. Thank you, Marco. Uh, very pleased to be with you. Uh, just a quick introduction. Um, I have been working in um, security industry, uh, digital security industry, for a bit more than 20 years in different positions, moving from VP uh, project uh, management to a uh, chief technology officer and chief technology evangelist uh, for a company named OneSpan, really specialized in digital security. So maybe as a short introduction, what is uh, OpenAPI? Where is that coming from? So OpenAPI is an application programming interface that is made available by the bank 
to third-party company to integrate some capabilities into their own application. So through this API, a non-banking um, company can start extracting some information, collecting some information under the user consent about his account and to provide this information to uh, a company that is offering some services. So one of the first application that has been made available was the option to aggregate all the information from your different account that you may have into different bank within a single application. So let's say that you have your HSBC uh, application, your Citibank, your Wells Fargo. With open banking, it is possible to aggregate all this information and to have all this information under a single mobile application, for instance. So this has been something that um, started a few years ago, and it has been driven by regulation. So we have in Europe uh, a regulation named PSE2 that is mandating the bank to deliver this API and to expose this API. So one of the first applications that we discussed was sharing at this information, aggregating uh, your banking information across a single uh, viewpoint. The second application to open banking, and I think that's the one that is going to get more interest, is the option to initiate payment using this open banking API. It means that from my bank, from my, uh, let's say, from my application, uh, a MacDo application, I could potentially initiate the payment directly with my bank without using a scheme from a Visa card, from a MasterCard, from an Amex. And I think that's a big change. So using this kind of open banking API, you as fintech company, you can integrate a bank capabilities into your own application and you can start delivering some value to your customer, including payment, including extra value. So that's that's where banking, that's where open banking has been starting. Now, Benoit, I want to I want to touch on some of these scenarios because the the first scenario or the first point you made was a collection of all the data, all the accounts, I presume, and and yes, and an understanding of what you have, and then the the second one is you can actually do something with it, and I know there's a lot of movement around, certainly around credit card transactions where. You might have different payment providers and different credit cards, and they all have different rates for the cards and the providers, and there might be a broker, a, a, a bigger picture. I don't know what the term is, but somebody who oversees all of that and, and some orchestration around, okay, if you're going to make this transaction with this card in this way, that's the best path. Do you, Does that exist still, or does that does the card get removed and, and it just goes straight to the bank or, or is that the big picture? Tell, tell me a little more about what you see in that re respect. So when it comes to this data aggregation from your different bank account, it gives you really a holistic view of all your banking information. And that's, that's one of the first part. But on top of that, for sure, as as a fintech company, you can start delivering some extra services. These services is the one that your 
uh, describing, potentially you're going to start to give some guidance to the user about what is the best option for him for a specific purchase. And that's something that start to uh, that we see in some super apps that we see in the market. On top of that, indeed, you can still use the payment scheme with your credit card, but open banking really allows you to directly pay using the API of the bank without relying on this credit card scheme. So you can pay with a very low fee, almost no fee, using these new capabilities. And this is also something that is changing the game because you are starting opening and, and challenging as well uh, all these um, scheme vendors like Visa, Amex, and so on. So they're getting under tremendous pressure uh, due to open banking. But not only them, banks as well are getting under pressure. But in the meantime, I want to stress the fact that it's also an opportunity for the bank. That's an opportunity for the bank because they are at the center of the ecosystem. They already have developed some loyalty. They do have a trust. If uh, for in all the survey regarding who do you trust in the in the market, do you trust the government? Do you trust social network? Most of the time, the bank will come in the first position. So that's something that the bank can leverage, and they can partner as well with a lot of fintech using this API to deliver some extra services. And that's something that they do. Yeah, real, real quick comment, Mark, yeah. on that point that Ben yeah, no made, because I think there's an interesting point here, and there's an article that triggered this thought uh, around the, the future of, of finance and banking and technology and even retail. And there was a point that, that uh, people stick with their banks for a really long time. <laughs> it's not something they change. It, it, perhaps even stick with it most of their life. They may, may change credit cards all the time, but the bank is kind of, to your point, Benoit, the trusted partner for a long, long time. And they may have one or two banks, but that, that base is there. And Marco, I, I don't know where you're going to take this, but again, the bank is the core, but there's a lot of surrounding that bank. Right? Well, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going back to your API knocking on my door and be like, who the hell are you, <laughs> right? So <laughs> I think the reason why people trust banks and me coming from Europe as well, like I can remember my, you know, my parents, my grandparents, I mean, we had the same bank forever and ever and ever. I mean, as long as the bank was there from, I don't know, 1800, 1700, whatever that was. Because you trusted something that has been there for a long time, right? So the entire shift now is is happening with, uh, I'm going to throw in the bucket cryptocurrency as well, right? So we don't need to go there, but there is a big shake in, in, in the way that we interact with money without touching money and the way that the business wants a, a, a cut of that. And I, I'm just going to ask you a question that is the, the big difference now where before you could rebrand a credit card, but you were still using, let's say, Visa or MasterCard and put the name of an airline on it, for example, or a hotel chain. And you were just collecting points, create fidelity with your customer loyalty and so forth. Tell me how now the game is actually changing. Like you said that the bank need to still be there because they're the, the guarantor in a way of this transaction 
what do they offer that a new fintech company couldn't apart from trust so so the, the bank can can provide you some and they can focus on really managing the asset so they can they can offer you some some capabilities they can extend uh, the set of services that are going to deliver to you and how can they do that so for instance i'm going to take you uh, the example of Uber driver. Who knows that Uber knows the needs of Uber driver, that Uber? So what the bank is going to do, they're going to partner with Uber and start delivering some services that really fit the Uber driver population. They're going to deliver some facilities that are really matching the need from this um, population. So the bank is going to start developing some partnership and exposing, offering some capabilities, but with partner. And the way I see, I see the bank, the bank is going to put in the future, I think, is going to focus on what they do the best, managing the asset. And an asset is, in my opinion, can be a fiat currency, so the money, but it can be as well a cryptocurrency and in the future, any kind of digital value. And so that's is, what they do the best. Is the bank remaining the, let's call it the infrastructure for the financing system? And you build on top of that. I'm just the trying bank, to find the metaphor. Yes, bank as a service. You can see that as a bank as a service, and they are exposing some new capabilities. But with these new capabilities, having some fintech and having different company that have different perspective regarding the relation with a customer. For instance, um, someone who wants to go online, he wants to buy our pay later, is something that can be natively or really integrated using API within the e-web shop. And that's something that is possible using these uh, open API capabilities. And there will be a direct relation between the merchant and the bank under the acceptance from the user. Now, Marco made a point about the, the branded card and, and the, I guess the, the interaction with the customer at that point, and you, you, you're kind of building loyalty and that's why the, I would presume the companies want a branded card. So it's their brand in front of them. They're interacting with, with that brand all the time. I also expect that there's probably some, data and or metadata that the branded card can see who who's shopping where as part of their uh, collection of customers. And uh, so my question to you is if, if that data and metadata is really the gold, it's parallel to the actual monetary money, right? There's the data and the metadata of who's doing what, where, why, with which cards, what times, with who's with them, that information is golden as well. And if the banks get further away from the transaction and they, and they abstract themselves through an API and, and just get embedded in the transaction, are they, are, they, are they actually the ones controlling that data and have all of it now? Or are they abstracting themselves where they have none of that and they at some point become irrelevant because the data is more uh, valuable than the money? And I think you, you're really addressing a very sensitive point. So... 
what is very important to understand is that this exchange of data is coming from a consent from the user. So for sure, the user has to give his consent to share and to share his data with a third party. And indeed, this data has a lot of value. One of the challenges that I see is, is there a proper understanding from the user regarding the way this data is going to be used by the third party? And what we start to see is that some company are entering the market offering some unified open banking API covering 3,000, 5,000 banks that are starting to be integrated by fintech to deliver some extra services. But this data is going to use far beyond the concept of just aggregating data information uh, for the purpose of uh, e delivering a, a, a global view to the user. These data start to be used uh, for identification, for um, scoring of a user. So these data, and that's what is going to be important, can be as well used to generate some extra value. And I'm not sure that when the user is giving his consent, he has a proper understanding of the scope of usage of his data. But for sure, having access to all your transactions for the last year, for the last months, from all your different accounts, for sure, you as, as a third-party company, you can give a credit score. And this credit score will have some value for other vendors. So that's all the business that is coming on top of this open banking uh, solution as well. It's a black mirror episode coming right. to life here, right? I mean, <laughs> I, we always end up there. But so in that article that we were mentioning was on Fortune magazine. Um, there, was, there was the example of two brands, two large brands. We'll start with the W. I guess you can guess that. Walgreen and, and, and Walmart. And, and one of the things that given the incredible power that they have, the, the, the traffic they get in the store on their website, they kind of want to, I mean, they're already pharmacies and retailers and who knows what else. Now they can become banking, they can become insurance company, they can become everything that one-stop shop for all their customer needs. And that's the Black Mirror story of, <laughs> of this. Like then you're really controlling what everything does, everybody does at what is being done on a daily basis. So where do we draw the line and where do the bank, which are responsible towards government uh, regulations? Uh, FDIC, yeah. FDIC or like the HIPAA for, for healthcare and all that kind of stuff. Well, who, who is going to control that? I mean, is it the market? Is it, I mean, the European community have some ideas on how this is going to work? Because I don't know if the American government has that. <laughs> I think it's clearly the, the role of a regulator to, to define the rules, uh, making sure that, like we have with GDPR, making sure that the data are going to be protected, that the privacy of a user is going to be respected as well. So that's really their mission. Uh, now, um, one of the points that we see is regulators tend to uh, be a bit behind, even if uh, 
for the, the last few years, we have seen an, an acceleration in their engagement. So, um, but at the end, indeed, this, um, this aspect of um, controlling and making sure there is no abuse um, is something that should come from a regulator. But as I mentioned before, you, you start to see some very large corporation um, and some of them starting with a F or a G and, and this one are starting to put ahead the fact that they are considering the privacy of a user. They are making that very ahead. So positioning that and, and the goal is really to, to breed this trust with, with their um, ecosystem, with their end user. That's really something that is becoming part of the game. And I would say that there is a need of education from people and, and it's starting, I think, with all the noise about the data leak. I think people start to, to be a bit more sensitive about the fact that their data needs to be protected. And they are the first responsible for making sure to uh, control where their data and to whom their data are going to, uh, to, to go and to be used. That's my, that's my, my view. Yeah, and I, I know as, as technologists and cybersecurity-focused uh, people, the three of us here, we, we certainly have a, a, an interest in the data. But I'm also not forgetting the money, because when you think about a bank, and this is our perception of a bank, it's a place to put your money you make investments there, you, you, you savings accounts, those types of things. Your, your money is in there, presumably insured by a government entity, uh, if something were to go, go horribly wrong, and you draw from it versus a credit card, which has a balance that you can use and you have to pay it back. Obviously, I'm not ex explaining anything that nobody knows here. But where it gets interesting and confusing to me is how does a, how does a retailer as a bank or or social media platform as a bank change the way we need to think about what the heck a bank is. Do I want to, do I start putting my money into an F book <laughs> instead of a Wells Fargo or, and, uh, and, and what, what, and yes, and there's a whole data part of it too, which that would keep me from doing that. But I don't know. It, it gets really confusing because so, we, we briefly, just one more point, Benoit, because we, we briefly talked about different ways to, when you make a purchase, there's a, there are companies that allow you to buy on credit, right? Where, And so I, in that model, I see where we have many, many banks in our portfolio, as well as many, many guarantors of credits that we we use to purchase things. So this this mesh of financial institutions and financial technologies and systems and platforms becomes overly, I don't know, it, it just seems like it could be a ton of them versus the one or two banks that somebody might have today. That's, that's obvious that indeed um, many, many players, we start and non-bank, we start offering some banking services everywhere natively embedded into their application. Um, so this this is what is going really to change in the future. So banking services will be not exclusively delivered as we used to see in the best by bank, but by third party. 
based on on the need and and the goal is is for sure is to increase is to increase uh, the business to increase the traffic that's that's what that's the ultimate goal when you were referring to these two brands just before the the, the Walmart and the Walgreen, I think what is interesting as well is with with a pandemic we have seen most of the traditional banks starting to close their branch. And I think that's also a tremendous opportunity for these two players having a local presence everywhere to get to, to get by the market because they are they are continuing to operate from this um, from their corner from their shop. But that's that's a critical opportunity as well to put the human again back in the middle of the picture. And and, and I do see so on top of that, not only they are going to deliver some super apps uh, working with some very strong fintech, but they will also offer the ability for the user to go to the shop when he needs to to get some support. So I think that's a very nice balance as well to consider. And and it goes to 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 the point for me that is very important. Technology is for sure driving the change but technology should drive a change keeping the human in the middle of everything that, that's what we should not forget yeah i i, I hearken back to and i don't know how many of them there are now probably not as many uh, given the, the, the pandemic and the lockdowns but i remember a move where banks were becoming cafes and yeah retail shops where there was a sliver of banking. You had your tellers in there, and and then the rest of the the office or the space was to sit down and have a coffee or to uh, to do printing and, and office type uh, activities, uh, things things like a FedEx or UPS. So again, it was around the human and the experience, and the banking happened to be there. The, the, the point is that that's something that you're going to see in very large city. But when you start moving to a small one, you don't have any branch. You don't have anything anymore. Because, yes, if you go to a big city, you will get this coffee from the bank. You will, you will get all of that. But it, it really, the way it's moving is creating a very big difference from people living into very large city and the one living in very small one. And, and that's something that, as well, uh, we, we should consider. There is a lot to consider. So I, I think th this was a great episode to kind of, you know, getting our feet wet in a way and <laughs> start talking about all these different society, Black Mirror, security. We can start to prepare our, our APIs, Marco. Exactly. I can't wait to see that again tonight when I well, go walk the dogs. <laughs> uh, but it's hard to see it, actually, because around Halloween, it may wear something to disguise itself. So I don't really know I'm dealing with a bank, but I'm actually dealing with a bank. Who knows? <laughs> uh, the point is, this is a lot of conversation. And despite it may not be sound like a fun topic to talk about, when you start expanding and having a 360 view on this and you include society psychology, you know, hanging out in a bank, are you kidding me? I mean, that, that that's yeah, when, not When your possible. car is your bank, that's, that's a whole different ballgame. And, and how you're aggregating all these services. Car company are offering insurance. So I can go back there again. So I think the promise here, and, and I'm excited about this, Sean, is to segment the, this fintech 
topic into more specialized conversation around the difference and the change that come that brings to society and society is suggesting maybe to the bank to the banking system to work this way redefining technology benoit you said something that we really enforce so technology be after all serving humanity and not the other way around otherwise we are kind of screwed and the whole privacy and security of it so i can see easily another three episodes here and sean maybe even uh, maybe yeah, we even more we, we, we dig through the dig into the identity yeah uh piece of this as well because a lot of times um one's identity is based on their accounts that they have in a bank right who yeah. which account do you have i mean that and the, that and home are probably the two biggest uh, financial uh, assets right? yeah yeah. And we see a, a lot of movement when it comes to uh, identity, digital identities. And something uh, uh, that is a real trend is uh, government starting to issue some digital identity on mobile phone. So that's, that's a big trend. Uh, we, see, we see that in, in many different countries, especially in Asia. There is, uh, in Europe, a project that uh, we mandate for each um, country from EU, EU to uh, provide for free a digital identity. Um, to if their I'm city. not mistaken, the, the Estonian was built government slash banking or finance. It was a, yeah. a partnership, right? Yeah, so big movement. And we see that as well in, in, in the US. Uh, we start to see some state issuing some uh, driving license can be used as well. Um, on the mobile phone of a user that can be used for multiple purposes. So there are big change when it comes to identities and what is coming next. So the market is as well going to, to transform a lot on, on that front. Well, thank goodness none of this is uh, connected. It's all separate, right? <laughs> yeah. None of, it, none of it touches the other. and There's not no complexity Absolutely. involved here. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, I kept thinking about you know the old movies where the bank robbery happened, you know, by by breaking in the window uh, and and all of that, days. and <laughs> the good old days yeah. where you could do movies like that, and now it's about digital robberies and stuff yeah. like that. But yeah, it's exciting, exciting time, cool. and we definitely want to learn more. We want to share with our audience, and of course. As usual on this podcast, there will be notes with the resources, connection with Benoit. And then we'll let you guys know when uh, the next uh, the next chunk of this conversation is going to come up. So Definitely. thank you very thank much. You, I want you to join us again, thank Benoit. Go, and go, Sean, go, please you tell your API not to come by again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't come by or just stop at broadcasting it up there. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right, Benoit. Thank you so much. Benoit, thanks thank a million. Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises. The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at devo.com. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Technology Podcast. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, 
Then share ITSPmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.